sooner than later. So uh, as we celebrate this covenant that they have made through this baptism, through their membership vows, it's, it's an amazing thing because it really gets at the heart of our commitment to one another. And we've been talking about these different ideas of how God equips us, God empowers us to pass on what God has called us to do, which is to live this love in the world. And that's what we've called uh, our sermon series, our first sermon series in the summer uh, is Pass It On, Living in the Spirit. And what we've been trying to do over the, the last couple of weeks, over the last few weeks is our first week is that we stress this relationship, this connection that, that there is and that we have between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And when we learned that there is this connection, it helped us learn also that God's movement in the world has always been to be closer to creation. And then it also teaches us that as the church, each of us individually and all of us together, we are called simply to be devoted disciples living in the power of the Holy Spirit in order to help bring people closer to God, to help move people closer to God. God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, and God uses us, yes, each and every one of you uses us to continue God's movement in the world, to spread, to pass on the love of God in our world, in our community, in your life, in your family's life. This is what God has done. This, this is what we've been called to do. But we've been asking ourselves some questions like what does living in the Spirit look like? What does it look like? How exactly is this power that we have been given used in order to help us pass on this love of God throughout the world? And so what we talked about over the last couple of weeks is these ideas that the Holy Spirit frees us the Holy Spirit unifies us, and the Holy Spirit also strengthens us. And so we've spent some dedicated time talking about the, the freedom that we have in the Spirit. We also talked about unity in the Spirit, and all of this is going to lead to what we're going to be talking about this morning, about how the Spirit strengthens us. And so hopefully as I talk through, I'm going to highlight some things, I'm going to try to recap some things and summarize some things to hopefully crescendo into what we're going to be focusing on this morning. And so when we talk about this, the, the Spirit freeing us, what this means is that the Spirit helps us and the Spirit sustains us in our new lives with Christ. It, it means that the, the Spirit continually helps each and every one of us in our lives. It helps us to let go of what we've called these, these life-taking powers in our lives, right? Things like, like our mistakes, Things like our failures or our fear or our apathy, our shame, bitterness, our worries, all of these things that, that seem to paralyze us in life and take away from that joy in life that we're supposed to have. And so the Spirit also frees us and helps us receive and accept the life-giving power that, that God can give, that only God can give. God gives us grace. God gives us hope and faith. God gives us acceptance. God gives us redemption. God gives us his peace and love. All of these things help to draw us close to God and help us draw us close to each other. And so the Holy Spirit changes our individual existence and it also changes our existence with each other. And so the Holy Spirit, it frees us individually 
And it begins to unify us as a group, as a community together. It begins to break down all the walls, like the, like the ones that we just sang about. The Holy Spirit would break down those walls that would otherwise separate us. Things like the, the different statuses that, that we might associate ourselves with, whether, whether it's our financial status or our political status or our social status, and maybe even a modern example, our online status, right? Any kind of box that, that we might put ourselves in or that we might put each other in that has an influence in our lives or it has an influence in the lives of other people. The Spirit breaks all of these things down. So the only thing that has remained, the only thing that remains is, is a fellow human being that's redeemed by God, redeemed by Jesus Christ, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit helps us live into this radical new existence, right? Where we're no longer defined by any more of those things, but instead we are solely defined by our affection and our abiding love in God and our love for all of God's children. And so if we begin to really understand this and begin to really think about the implications that this has for our lives, it, it, it really does begin to change everything about our lives. It changes how we see and therefore who we see. We also sang about that. When the Spirit comes into the room, right, comes into our lives, it changes what we see and what we seek, right? We sang those words. And so we learned to open ourselves up to God, and that when we do that, we begin to open ourselves to seeing and serving each other. We serve each other as siblings in Jesus Christ, in the family of God. And we learn that we have this obligation. We have this covenant together, right, that we just shared in. We have this commitment to one another to serve and love one another. And so there's this new radical existence, and we call that existence the kingdom of God. What we do together and, it, and it's not something that's far off, right? Scripture talks about it's, it's here and now. And that's our encouragement today, too, is that, that we work together to build this kingdom of God here and now. And so the, the Holy Spirit's role in that is that it teaches us. It reminds us and reveals to us together of how Jesus' example of, of his life and ministry, how a life living in the love of God— can impact us at such a time and place as this. It can influence us in order to, to begin building this kingdom of God together. And we can continue God's movement in the world. And you might be asking yourselves, well, how do we, or how can we even accomplish this? How can we possibly accomplish this? And it's only through living in the Spirit. By passing on all these things in which God gives us and God equips us with. And what that means is that it doesn't require any of our preconceived notions of our strength. It simply requires an openness, an acceptance, a reliance on the strength of the Holy Spirit. 
So that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning, seeing how the freedom and the unity leads us to strength in the Spirit. And then we're going to be reading a passage from the letter to the Roman church by by the Apostle Paul, and we're going to be reading from the 8th chapter, verses 26 through 28. And if you brought your Bibles with you, we want to encourage you to open those up. And if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles to give to you. We take seriously in helping equip you to be intentional uh, of of reading God's Word so that you can live God's Word. And so please pick up one of those things. Of course, people like to follow along on their phones and take notes. Um, And of course, you can follow along on the screen as well. But this is what the the letter to the Romans in chapter 8, verses 26 through 28, this is what it says. It says, in the same way, the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. The one who searches hearts knows how the Spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints, consistent with God's will. We know that God works all things together for for the good for those, uh, for the ones who love God. We know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God, and everyone said, Thanks be to God. So I had this one idea that I wanted to try to focus on. There was so much I found that that could be said as we try to wrap up this whole series. There's been lots of things kind of left on the cutting room floor, uh, but I wanted to try to emphasize one thing this morning as it helps us understand this idea of what it means to rely on the strength of the Spirit. That one thing is this. The key to accepting the strength of the Spirit is by accepting our limitations. The key to accepting the strength of the Spirit is by accepting our limitations. Well, how, how do I accept my limitations if I believe I, I have any limitations? Well, accepting our limitation, accepting your limitation, requires you to be humble. And when we look at the word humble, humble, someone that uh, has this characteristic in their lives. Humble means it's someone uh, without, I mistyped that, I'm sorry. Someone without an excess of pride, not with an excess of pride. See, I'm being humbled in this moment. Even I make mistakes, right? People who are humbled, they don't have an excess of pride. They aren't better than they think they are. They don't have an elevated view of themselves, right? They are grounded in who they are. And actually, humble, the word humble comes from the Latin word humus, which means ground. Humus means ground. And and if you probably ask anyone, whether it's in the workplace or out in the community, and we're talking and we're socializing, what do we like about people? One of the first characteristics that we like about people, our first impression is that people are down to earth, right? They're relatable. They get us. They don't, again, have this excess. They don't think higher of themselves than they really are. And there's the same understanding that, that includes and involves our relationship between us and God. So the word, again, humus is Latin for ground, is related to the word human, right? And, and if we have that understanding, if we see that correlation in that relationship, it's another correlation and a shared idea in our scriptures, 
right? When we look at, at, the, at the book of Genesis, we're told that God created humans from what? From the ground, from the dust of the earth. We didn't give ourselves our own lives. God formed us and God shapes us. He formed us from the dust of the earth and he breathed into us. We're told the breath of life. God gave us and God continues to give us this gift of life. And so part of being human, part of being grounded means that we understand where we come from. Yes, we are created in God's image. We are beloved by God. We are called to cooperate in bringing all things together for good, for God's glory. But that doesn't make us God. We are limited in that regard. And so there's our place and there's God's place. And God isn't really so much interested in putting us in our place. But what happens is that all the time, we end up trying to take God's place, right? Instead of trusting God and listening to God, we say, you know what? I could do that in a better way. You know what? I could probably do that in a, a quicker timeline or a quicker time frame. You know what? I could, I could figure out how to do everything in my strength. We end up forgetting about God. We end up leaving God behind. We end up taking God's place, and this is what happens, is that we live our lives believing that somehow we are not able to do, or excuse me, that we are able to do only what God can do. We live our lives believing that somehow we are able to do what only God can do. And so what happens is that we knowingly or unknowingly live our lives believing this idea that we can do only what God can do. And we live our lives elevating ourselves higher than we should or higher than we even need to by taking the place of God. And it boils down to each of us saying to ourselves, I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way instead of God's way. And so let me ask a, a real quick question. How many of you in the room in your life have ever been in over your head? get a show of hands? You ever been in over your head, right? We know what that feels like. It's those times when we jump into something, whether it's a relationship, a job, or a circumstance, maybe it's a project, and we quickly realize that we aren't equipped to handle it, right? And yet if you're like me, you're stubborn. You're really stubborn. And so you might tell yourself, you know what, I might crash and burn, but I'm going to do it my way. I want to have that control. I want to see it through. I arrogantly believe. I elevate myself beyond my knowledge, beyond my experience. And I believe in myself that, that I can and will find and I will execute the best solution. You know, I'm thinking about those wonderful projects around the house, right? Right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a younger guy, you know, I have a younger family and I'm still learning things about how to, to, to contribute to the household and, you know, I see these projects around the house and I'm like, you know what, I could totally watch a YouTube video 
and, and nail it, right? I'm going to figure this out. I can, I can do that. And, and then I tell myself, yeah, totally. This, this was a five-minute YouTube video. That, that means this project is only going to take me 15 minutes, an hour at best. If everything goes wrong, right, and then it takes up half the day or all the day or even longer, what ends up happening, whatever it is, is that we resist talking in some ways, depending on the circumstance, to a professional or an expert until what? Until we're humbled, <laughs> right? We're brought, we are brought low. We are brought really low. And, and I don't want you to mishear me. I, I think there's nothing wrong with finding a creative solution, right? Being resourceful, uh, figuring things out, being a problem solver. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but somehow our automatic posture is that we end up lying to ourselves and, and we tell ourselves too often that we are more qualified, more experienced, or savvy enough than we actually are in order to figure out whatever this problem is that we're trying to solve, right? Sometimes this is how we treat our lives. We tell ourselves that we are the answer to fixing all of our problems, and the, the good thing is that you don't have to be, right? That's why we have professionals and experts in, in the world, in our society, right? They've dedicated themselves to these disciplines and practices, and we rely on those things so that we don't have to be those things necessarily. And so when it comes to our life and when it comes to our faith, God is the ultimate authority. And again, yet we, we knowingly or we unknowingly live our lives believing that somehow we are able to do what only God can do. And the problem is that when we do that, we end up stumbling, we end up falling, we, we end up making mistakes, we intentionally or unintentionally hurt or harm people, we, we fall short, we fail, we are humbled. We're brought back down and reminded of our limitations what we're reminded of is that we are not God. And the opportunity here, I promise there is, a good, there is good news in this. The good news is this, is that we need to let God be God. Instead of fooling ourselves or lying to ourselves that we could do better on our own or in our own strength. Whether that's with our, our understanding or with our ability or our talents, Right? Verse 26, the second part of verse 26 says this. It says, we don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. You know, I like to think as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, I have a pretty good prayer life. I pray to God often and, and regularly. I'm open to God's voice and, and for all the good that God created me to be and for all the good that God enables me to do, I'm still not God. I am still not God. I lack something that only God has that I don't have. There is a power and a strength that only God has and that I don't. And yet even in the midst of our limitations, God gives us God's strength. In the midst of our limitation, God gives us God's strength. The first part of verse 26 says, the Spirit comes to help us in our weakness. 
right? And when we read this, this passage in its entirety, we learn something profound about the power of God's Spirit. You know, I, I certainly can't search the hearts of other people, but God can do that. I certainly struggle with living my life consistently with God's will and God's way, but God does that. And I, I certainly know that I'm called, but I still struggle to do good things and, and be a blessing to other people. And yet God does that. I want you to hear this. God didn't create us to be God. God created us to be in relationship with God. And in that relationship, we're called to rely on God, trust in God, believe in God, to love and serve God. And so humility in the life of faith means that we accept that we are not God. It means choosing that I'm going to stop living my way and start seeking God's way. I'm going to accept my limitations in order to receive God's strength. I'm going to stop relying solely on my own strength and giftedness and start humbling myself and start following God. And the crazy thing is that our limitation in this regard ends up paradoxically becoming our greatest strength. Our limitation becomes our greatest strength because God takes our weakness and makes us strong. Where else in life is that possible? If you're weak in, in any part of your life, you're just weak. And you have to work hard at becoming better at whatever it is that you're weak in. And God simply says that, that those things are good and, and honorable and all those things. But again, don't forget about me. Don't forget that, that we're supposed to be in a relationship with each other. And that God can take our weakness and make it into strength. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. Paul is, is talking to the church in Corinth, and he writes this letter, and he, this part of it, he's talking about the, this burden in his life. And God's response to him is this. God said to me, Paul, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. And so then what Paul says, having this revelation from God, he says, I'll, I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weakness. We're not taught that in our culture. So that Christ's power can rest on me. And he says, therefore, I'm all right with weakness. I'm okay with insults and disasters and harassments and stressful situations for the sake of Christ. Because when I'm weak, I am strong. This doesn't make sense to how we live the day-to-day -day in the world, in, in our culture. Because our culture shames us for having any ounce of weakness. I'm going to take a little bit of an aside, just listening to the Spirit myself, but, but speaking onto the shame about weakness, this, this requires us to be vulnerable, Right? Being able to admit, yes, requires 
Being able to admit that we have weaknesses and limitations, yes, requires humility, but it also means that we have to be vulnerable too. We have to be able to bring our full selves to God. God, yes, wants the good and wonderful things about us, but God wants the broken things too. God wants all of us. It doesn't make sense. God, why would you want all the messed up stuff? You would want the best things, right? God wants all of it because God can redeem all of it. God can make something that was weak in our lives and make us strong. That Christ's power rests on us. And that we can boast in our weakness. When the world thinks we're crazy and we can say, no, but I, I rely on God's strength and not my own. It doesn't make sense. The world shames us, but God doesn't shame us for being weak. Because God created us in this way. Do you see that? You see how we, it's so tempting to, to trade places with God. And a part of our discipleship, part of our relationship with God is letting God back into our lives, letting God back in place and putting ourselves, humbling ourselves back where we were created to be. The idea is that we would rely on God and not solely on ourselves. That's what it means to be in a relationship with God, to serve God, and, and God would give us the strength to do what God has called us to do. It would be a really silly and, and frustrating experience for God to call us to do all these wonderful things that we can't do because we are weak, because we are selfish, and just abandons us and leaves us to our own devices. That's not what Scripture says. That's not what the gospel says. That's not what the movement of God is about. It's about going closer to each and every one of us in our lives and helping us move that forward into other people's lives. So friends, this morning, don't pretend and don't elevate yourselves unnecessarily or confuse your role with God's role in your life. You don't need to. There's freedom in that. It, it, it might be jarring and you might be scratching your head like, Pastor Tyler, I still don't understand this. And that's okay. We continue to grow because there's more things in our lives that right when we think we have it all figured out, God humbles us again. Because if we had everything figured out, we would be God. Right? And, but we do this, we share this experience together. We're vulnerable with each other about sharing those places in our lives where we are weak. And we're honest about them, painfully honest. Because that's when God steps in and God becomes strength in the midst of those weaknesses in our life. Don't confuse your role with God's role in your life because you don't need to. God does have it. God's got this. God's got your best interest in mind, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when you can't see around the corner or too far down the path. God will equip you and empower you to do whatever God has called you in this life to do through the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. So friends, again, the key to accepting the strength of the Spirit is by first accepting our limitations. How do we begin to live into this? And it's only through living in the Spirit, which means giving up 
our preconceived notions of our strength, being vulnerable with God, being vulnerable with each other, accepting our limitations, and simply relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit instead of our own. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.